I'm going to be very candid with you. We are living in a computer program. Welcome, everyone, to Simulation Nation, your portal to all things virtual. I'm your host, Johnny Android, and I'm here to keep you informed about all that's happening in the metaverse. Record our episodes live in Altspace every week. You can join us for free, even if you don't have a VR headset. Yes, it's true. Just log into Altspace from your laptop or PC in our event and teleport in to offer your opinion, question, or whatever else. Today, we give you World Builders of Altspace number 17. That's right. We are at our second year here of uh, covering the best world builders of Altspace. Today, we are talking to a world builder who not only designs mind-bending mazes, illusory magicians' castles, and Zen meditation spaces, is also a king of pits, such as the force fields, trapdoors, multicam setups for recording YouTube-worthy shows like this one. Ladies and gentlemen, please give a warm emoji. Welcome, Mason. <laughs> oh, thank you. How's it going, Mason? Good to see you. It's going all right. Yeah, oh. good to see you too. Oh. Yeah, it's great to see everyone here who's supporting your amazing work. We've got Dave the Turner. I am Copy Baird, an incredible gown. Ice Wiz, Cherry, yes, Ever. Uh, the list goes on and on. Darren's here. Other people who've been on this stage, and maybe some people who will be on this stage. I'm looking at you, Ice Wiz. Um, but um, <laughs> yeah, it's great to have you here. Obviously, you've uh, your your work uh, is known quite well in all space, and everyone appreciates and respects what you do. So we're so happy to have you on the stage. Find out a little bit about how you do it and and who you are and all that kind of stuff. Um, let me see. So my day job, I work as a computer programmer. So I'm a computer engineer. I've Working, I work with computers and I do coding, uh, mostly validation, just test, testing hardware and uh, things like that. And um, how I got into VR, I would say there were, there were a lot of close calls. One was at work, we have what's called an innovation center and they have different companies come to show off what they design. Sometimes the things uh, we design, they have there too. And I remember one time, they had like three or four VR headsets there. And so there were these companies, they were showing off their VR headsets. Each of them operated in a different way. Some of them, I remember, had cameras on the outside. Some of them had cameras on the inside or, or different ways of tracking. And this is about, I think, 10 years ago. And I remember going there and trying it out. And it was amazing. It just blew me away. One of them was going up an elevator to a rocket ship and um it just after about two or three minutes i kind of started feeling a bit nauseous i remember they it had the screen door effect which i just wasn't used to it was the first time for me trying on a vr mm. headset um so after that i thought okay that that's interesting it's it's really expensive um they had to be connected to a computer and it kind of made me nauseous um and at that time, they also had a raffle drawing. So I remember my boss was there, and he actually won the raffle drawing. So he got one of the VR headsets. Um, wow. And I don't remember which one it was. And afterwards, he had a cube that was next to his that was empty. So instead of just taking the VR headset home, he set up a computer system and had the headset there. So people at work in the team could try it whenever they had a break. So. Every time I had a break or maybe during lunch, I'd go put it on, play some games. And of course, there was a line, there would be a line of people, everybody would want to try it. 
and mm. it was fun. I just really enjoyed it. I remember there was a game where um, I think it was a little mountain with cars and buildings, and you can watch them move and walk around them. And yeah, I, I was blown away. And so one day I decided, okay, what I'm going to do is I'm going to wait, wait till um, after work. I'm going to stay a little bit later, maybe till five or six when people go home. And I'm going to spend this Friday evening till like seven or eight just playing with a VR headset. This is going to be so cool. So after work, people left. I was kind of alone in the building. I went there, put a headset. And I've only played with it for 10 minutes at a time. And when I hit the 15-minute mark, I was just really dizzy i just felt like throwing up mm. and that's when i thought okay no this vr thing is not gonna work it's not for me and mm. um yeah so so that's that both of those were the two times like years ago um and then when the pandemic hit in 2020 i remember quest 2 came out in i think it was in october and so we were all locked in at home we um locked down we could go anywhere I've been playing computer games for a while. Then I saw that they had, what is it? They were they were selling it at Best Buy, and um, it was just yeah. So it was Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving, and Christmas, and the winter holidays were coming up, mm -hmm. and I just felt like I needed something to do. Computer games, I'm kind of getting tired of it. So I saw that they were selling the Quest Two at Costco. So I thought, okay, I get it, try it on. And if I still felt sick or if I didn't like it, then, you know, they had a generous, generous return policy. I could return it. Um, so I got it. And right after I got it, I guess everybody else had the same idea. So it was all sold out. And the reason I got that was because, um, another reason was because I would always play these uh, games on my phone. And one of my favorite uh, series of games was the Room series, the Escape Room puzzle games. And... Mm -hmm. They just released the version of the room for the quest. And I mm. wanted to try out the quest just for that game. And when I played that, it was it was everything you know I thought it would be. It was amazing. And the quest two was different. It didn't make me sick. And I I didn't see the screen door effect or anything on there. And so mm. so I spent a lot of time in the quest. I just spent time playing that through Thanksgiving. And then I played other puzzle games like Red Matter, Shadow Point, and was completely absorbed in it. Um, and time passed by really fast like that. And it was great. Um, and then when I was done, when I was done with those games, I thought, okay, that's it. Um, winter, winter break is over. I get back to work and I'm going to set the quest aside because there wasn't anything else I wanted to do with it. Mm -hmm. um, and then I found out from the news that CES wasn't happening. All these conferences, they were being canceled. But instead, they would be happening in VR. And there would be a portion of CES that was happening in alt space. And I had no idea what that was. I had no idea about uh, social VR. And because you know I work in technology as a programmer, um, they had an innovation center, I thought this would be neat instead of all the way to Vegas, having to fly there and book a hotel and stay there, I could go to CES all in my headset. And so CES, it wasn't everything. It was like, I think only a portion of it was in alt space. And so I kind of listened to that. They had some speakers on stage. It was nice. Um, then they had a room. It was set up like a, um, a hotel ballroom with all these vendors and people to talk to. 
And that was the first time I started talking to people just in VR. And mm. I don't know, that, that just kind of felt strange having been isolated in my home without anybody to talk to, except for maybe Zoom calls with my parents or my sister or brother, and now being with other people. And it wasn't just a Zoom call. It was like they were there. Um, I was going out someplace. Um, and so um, afterwards, after this, after the CES was, event was over, they had uh, like an after party. And that's where I was just surrounded by people. People were having conversations. I can go up to them, listen in. Um, just people were talking about things and they would travel, go from one place to the other. And right after that, I was like, wow, this, this, is, this is really cool. I, I wonder what's, what else is going on in alt space. And mm -hmm. when I looked at the schedule, there was just so many things going on. And I was surprised um, they had, so I started at first going to these parties that were like the after parties at CES. There was music, there were people. Um, then I went to um, a, a, a dodgeball game. They had hide and seek. They had poetry readings. Um, I started attending the Rotary Club, which started meeting in VR because they couldn't meet in real life. Yeah. And um, then I attended a karaoke event and I don't know, part of me was still thinking, oh, this is just a game. It's fine. I, I can do whatever. When I went on stage to sing karaoke, I was just nervous. I was sweating and I was thinking, this is more than just a game. I feel like I'm singing in front of real people. Um, yeah, yeah. And me, when I checked the schedule every night, just to me, it made me feel like I was on a, a cruise ship where you get the slip of paper in the morning, it has the events that are happening the entire day. And I always try to be efficient. I try to do everything I can and just going from one event to another. Um, sometimes I'd be, I felt like I was double booked. There were two events happening at the same time and I meet people and they'd hop off from one event to another. And I would see on my Facebook, people were talking about how this isolation is just so bad. Um, people who are extroverts, they're finding themselves feeling lonely and isolated. And um, I talked to my friends and they were thinking about forming bubbles so that people could hang out together. And for me, it was it was different. I was hanging out more than I had ever done in real right. life because in real life, I would just uh, go to work and then come home and then maybe once in a while hang out with my friends. But here I knew that after work, I put on a headset Damn, there's so many things going on, so many things happening. I I remember um, after work having, um, was it the, the someone still out? We put it on the headset. And then after a while, my VR headset would start glitching. Things would stop working. And it turns out it's because the sun has it. I was completely right. in the dark and I need to shine right. a light. And I look at my light watch. Sensor and it wasn't working. Yeah, and it's it's already 10, 11 p.m. Okay, I'll hop in for another 20 minutes. It's always it's already 1 a.m. and time was just passing. So so that's how I got hooked on uh, social VR oh. and have been in all space ever since. Oh well, you know it's testament to uh, the friends you've made here. We have a lot of them in the audience here. Your friends, your fans, and all of that. So we're we're definitely happy to have everyone. And hopefully you're not as nervous being up here as you were for karaoke. Everyone, make sure he's not <laughs> not nervous here. Give him a nice round of emoji love.
Um, and, uh, and that's great. It's, it, we're happy to have you and we're happy that you brought your skill set and your talent to Altspace. And we're going to get into some of the th stuff you've been up to. Um, I even love the fact that you have this 3D model of yourself that you have designed. How did you come up with that? How did Because you can't have an avatar in here and then get a 3D model of it on you know, Sketchfab or something. So how did you do that? I didn't do that one. That was actually um, a gift uh, from, I think it was Sherry and Timo, and some people worked together, and they gave that to me. And it's a kit with my avatar and a few other versions of it. Dancing, sleeping, lying down, typing on the computer, and moving um, around. Yeah. So, oh, well, very cool. Emo very cool that they, yeah, they got that to you. Uh, we do have, we, we usually take questions in between the segments. So, as we, before we dive into your work, we have Samuel who wants to add something. Hello, Samuel. Where are oh, you? No, I don't. I, I hit that by accident. You hit it by accident. Okay, well, if you have anything, let us know later on, uh, and we will call on you. We got one more, and then we will go into you, your projects. Hello, chat. Hello. How are you? Chat, hello. Actually, hey, also. Good. Yeah. Oh, there you are. Left you side. Got it. Uh, hey, Mason, go can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. I'm good. Um, you always do a good job of making kits, and... You always do an awesome job, and I like your kits that you've been doing. Thank you. You said hello. We are definitely going to get into his kits, and we are going to even have him demonstrate some of his favorite kits. So we are excited to get there. First things first, though, we're going to go into some of his world. Um, so I, I wanted to start with this world, which is your, your magic world. And I thought it was so interesting that I feel like the kits that you do, the MREs that you do, kind of like magic tricks. I noticed that you have uh, you have worlds that are about magic and then you have written descriptions about magic means and what the magician's oath is. And so I wondered, first of all, if there was a connection there. Did you love magic in the meat space world and then wanted to do that in here or is it just a coincidence? Oh, no, I'm, I'm actually an amateur magician and I joined the SAS, um, Society of American Magicians. In real life, and so um, I would. I, I used to attend there a lot. Um, it's it's once a month um, in the evenings, and it's magicians, hobbyists getting together. Uh, you go there, you um, just do performances, and then they kind of vote, and then whoever is the best performer, you win a gift card, and then it's just social afterwards. People just talking about what they learned. Um, any new tricks, any new techniques, and then every once in a while they'll have a traveling magician lecturer come in and um, talk about their material, and then they'll have their books and DVDs. And then twice a year they have competitions. They'll have a close-up competition, um, close-up or table hopping, where you go from one table to another with different audience members, and different magicians will just go around and around. And they also have a criteria it has to be in a certain time limit and things like that. And then the other half of the year, they have um, called, I think it's like the, the stage magic. So everybody, the audience sits um, just together and the magician is up on stage um, performing tricks. Uh, but uh, to join the club, um, you have to actually go up there 
And when you decide to join and then perform one magic trick, and then once you perform the magic trick, uh, you step outside the door and um, the is open to everybody. Everybody, anybody, magicians, non-magicians can come and watch. Um, but there's there's two sections. There's a magician section and then there's a, a general audience um, section. And then so once you perform your trick as a new member, you would go outside, they'd close the door and the magicians would talk among themselves. And usually it's just a vote. Um, it's formality. And then they'd um, let you in, clap hands and say, congratulations, um, you're part of the club now. And um, yeah, and that's kind of how it works. Sure. Have, well, I wonder if there's anything like that in here where you like bring up your kit and then people are like, you know, some magician's kit and then they're like, okay, is he worthy of being in the magician's kit club or something <laughs> like that? Um, it's kind of funny. I would imagine here, I would imagine that the magician's oath is that you're not supposed to tell the secret of your tricks, but of course we are going to get you to give all of your secrets here. So uh, no magician's oath in, oath in the metaverse. There's the new rules. Um, oh, okay, so the 10 theories of magic. Um, so you had the idea of having uh, this, um, you're interested in magic in the meat space world, and then you brought that into here. And so did you bring a, a lot of these ideas and, and integrate that into the world? Yes, I did. Um, if you look around behind stage, uh, there's, um, there are pictures of a place like uh, uh, stages and dining rooms and uh, was it, uh, exterior shots of a castle. And that's actually the magic castle in Hollywood where people call it magician's amusement park or, or Disneyland. And I just had so I much fun there. I was going to ask you about that because I recognized the magic castle uh, and I was like, oh, I've, that's got to be the one in, in Hollywood. So that's uh, great. And because it's designed, your 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 room here is designed off out of that. Yeah. Yeah, 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 it, it is. And I've been there twice. And every time I've been there, I've just had so much fun. It's just magicians strolling magic tricks in the halls everywhere but it's all it's all formal attire um 21 and over suit and tie um it, it's just an elegant club and the way you get into the club is um or, or you get into the the area is you come come up to the castle you go to the front uh they check your reservation and then they direct you towards this i guess the study library area and it's just got walls and bookshelves and that's it and you don't have a way to get anywhere the secret is that um, you'd have to go to the bookshelf and there's a certain part of the bookshelf where there's an owl there and you whisper the magic words open sesame and the owl says something and the bookshelf just slides open and then there's a passageway to the rest of the castle and from the outside when you look at the castle it's it's not too big it's kind of small but when you go inside it's enormous. There are just so many hallways. It, it, it's like a little maze. There, there's a there's a giant grand theater in there, um, which you get one uh, ticket for a show there. There's a dining room. There's many bars. There's many small stages. And because the whole castle is built on a hill that you have to go up, so it's, it's big underground. And um, since I was just um here in alt space and at home the entire time i was thinking i feel like going out going out someplace just visiting someplace and you know i like magic and i wanted to 
bring that type of feeling of the Magic Castle to alt space. And, and that's why I built that. And also, um, I had another friend, uh, Ender, he's right there. He, he was also in um, a Magic Club when he was younger. And so after I met him, I found out that he was into Magic. So I wanted to build someplace we could talk about Magic. And what it started out with was it was just a screen where two of us could hang out and I could uh, play YouTube videos of discuss how they work and talk about our favorite magicians, watch them perform. Um, but that would be, that was like, I think it was like two, three weeks away. So I thought, okay, you know what, since we're going to do magicians, I'll just put up some posters. So I started putting posters of magicians and then I started putting up a stage and I kept building and building, just got more and more bigger. And eventually I turned it into the Magic Castle theme. Amazing. I don't know if I'm getting the one glitching. I'm trying to I'm trying to live it. I'm trying to get rid of some of the stuff in the world because I'm having some glitching. Are you guys able to hear okay? I think we got a we got a packed house, so everything's kind of uh, everyone's hearing except me. Okay, that's great. Uh, great. Um cool. Um, well, I, I think it's it's a perfect environment, right, in the in the metaverse in alt space to be able to do these kind of things. So it seems like a, a great matching of skills. Do you hold events there uh, where you have magic tricks? Have you thought about doing something like that? I, I haven't held any. Oh, actually, I have held one event there, the forties uh, and over um, uh, meetup. We met there one time, and yeah, everybody has asked me about using that space or, or any space just to do a magic trick, do a magic show uh, within right. alt space. And it's hard. I've, I've thought about it a lot. Um, for for my birthday, uh, Sherry threw a birthday party for me, and she did a magic show. It was just putting a person in half and just uh, pulling things out of half, pulling kids oh. out of places, things. Um, but it's it's a challenge to do something that's, you know, considered an, uh, a real genuine magic trick. And throughout the pandemic, um, I've actually bought tickets to Broadway shows, watch them on Zoom. And one of them was uh, by, a, by, by this famous magician at some uh, theater, I think on the East Coast. And they're normally a theater that people come and watch shows at. But during the pandemic, they started doing shows virtually. And I bought tickets to a magic show, and he made the show and the tricks. He designed it from scratch, from the ground up, just for Zoom. And I found out that a lot of the magic tricks I do in um, person, they don't work in Zoom. Uh, because one of the things that mm -hmm. magicians tell you is that, tell other magicians that you can't misdirect the camera. Because when there's a screen, people mm -hmm. can be looking different places, seeing different things. And it, it's hard to draw their attention. Um, so I tried doing magic tricks for friends and family over Zoom. And so I, it, it just didn't work. And for, me, for my tricks, there's a lot of, I have to hand you something. You'd have to pick a card. You'd have to place this someplace and take a look at it, examine it. Um, so for tricks that are um, through Zoom, it'd have to be, I guess, fixed, changed around, um, designed from scratch. And then I realized for alt space, 
there are, I've, I've been thinking hard, there, there are a couple tricks that could be done, maybe mentalism, but that would require most of the magic to happen on the screen. So I could have a red projector um, in my room, mm. having cards come up, you would think of something and I would read your mind. But that's not, to me, that's not magic happening in all space in here, in, in oh, the virtual yeah. world, that that's happening on the screen. And so, yeah, I'm still thinking about it. it it's kind of yeah. something that I feel like nobody's come up with yet. So, well, yeah, I think that I think that you would. I think that magic would need to be reinvented, and I think you're the yes, person, exactly. perfect person to do it. Right? Like, <laughs> I feel like uh, getting to know all your kits, like the hologram kit, like that stuff is magic tricks, but it's using the optical illusions that are available to you in alt space. I mean, that's what you've got to you got to come up with. That would be amazing. Um, Okay, cool. We got a few questions here before we move on to the next slide. How, first, we'll start with Pete. Where is Pete here? You have Pete? Oh, if you uh, are, oh, you're on the right side. How's it going, Pete? Oh, good. All right. And how are you? How are you going? I'm good. I'm doing well. It's good. I just wanted to find out. I saw in old space. Um, Someone performing in hologram, and just curious about how they make that. How well, make we've got the hologram master right here. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I have uh, a hologram display in my kits, and what happens is when things are rendered in alt space or, or even just games, you know, just games on a computer screen, they're, they're rendered on different layers. So there would be a layer for the world, there'll be a layer for the UI, the interfaces that you're seeing, there will be a layer for the avatars. Um, I think that there's up to 32 layers and some of the layers, they're, they're standard, uh, like a zero is a default layer and then, um, I guess all space decides to use, I forgot it was like 10 or 15 for the avatars. And when you bring up the camera object in Unity, um, you have access to, to, to control what type of layer it's going to pick up and display or not display. And so I can turn off all the layers except the avatar layer. And then when you display that, the avatar shows up and nothing else around there. So, um, I thought, yeah, that was interesting. I thought I, I could use that to make a hologram, but that would just be the person. So then I added a shader on top of it to make it kind of transparent and change the color a little bit so that it looks, yeah. it acts and looks like a hologram. So, um, I mean, to make it hologram, I've seen on YouTube that they, people standing and there's all these cameras and that. So. Um, basically, in that can so you can do it without doing it with all those thousands of cameras. You're saying? Um, not sure. We? Do you mean? Do you, do you mean like where a person projects themselves into into alt space? Oh, you? you know I think. Copy bear. Oh, copy copy. I am uh, copy bear. Yes, copy bear. Yes. Yeah, yeah I am copy bear. Yeah. Who knows copy bear stuff? What he's the left call the microsoft uh hologram projections like we have mus musicians and things like that or the wednesday hologram where they're acting in real life into the vr world as a hologram 
Um, and that's done actually as a per, as view from what you're seeing. So actually, as you move around the room, you see the same projection. It's also kind of based on what uh, Mason is saying, as in layers. So it's that projection from a screen, which the way we do a video projection uh, on the, our web projector, it's onto a layer, just like he was talking about. So you're taking it from the real world, projecting it onto that layer. So what you see is the same thing in any direction you're looking uh, in the screen. That's probably the simplest way to explain it. Thank you. Okay, great. Um, hey, Sherwin, on the far right here. How's it going, Sherwin? Good, how are you? What's up? Hey, Mason. Great to have you here. Hey, Sherwin. Thank you. Hey, um, well, I have a question, but before I get to the question, I just really wanted to come here and say thank you, you know, from the bottom of my heart. You know, I see you in passing all the time, and I tell you thank you, but, you know, I really want you to know how much you do for the community. And, you know, every single event that I've done in this space, when I tell you guys I've used at least one of his kits every time, I really have. And it's really helped in so many different ways that people don't even know. So I just want to tell you thank you, you know, for me and all of us that use your kits, you know, we really appreciate everything that you do. Um, my question is, do you have a favorite magician? Um, I don't know if there's a magician out there that's your favorite. And if you do have one, what's your favorite magic trick of theirs? Let me think. Um, one of my favorite magicians is um, Teller from Penn and Teller. And when you see Teller on its own, his magic is a little bit different than when he's with uh, Penn. Uh, I like magic that uh, tells a story um, that uses the magic to represent something for, for some kind of thing meaningful. And my favorite magic trick of his is the shadow and the, I think the shadow and the flower. So he has a vase with a flower, a rose um, up in front on a table. And then behind it, he has a screen and he has a lamp that projects a shadow into the screen. So you see the shadow of the rose. Then he takes scissors and he starts to cut the, the, the leaves on the shadow. And as he cuts it, leaves start falling from the real rose and then finally he he cuts the flower at the end and then the rose just falls over and then the lights go out and it's all a silent act with music it's just really elegant and i think that would be my favorite magic um from from him cool one more here and then we will move on to your next world dave the turner uh on the far left here how's it going dave yeah, hi. Hi. Uh, I just wanted to comment about holograms. Um, it's a term that has become very generalized. Uh, holograms originally were done with lasers and film to record um, an object that appears to be floating in space. Uh, since then, it's become a term that means just about anything that looks like that. And in alt space, uh, you've seen probably some of these um, uh, holographic uh, uh, Singers, singers that come out as holograms, and that's done where they usually actually have two cameras in the real world that project into alt space to give that impression of something floating in space. Oh, and I also wanted to say um, I use uh, Mason's uh, mirror kit in uh, some of my worlds to enhance the the uh, user experience. 
Cool. Thank you. Um, all right, well, we will uh, keep getting uh, questions as we go, but let's move along and then we'll uh, answer the questions after the next segment here. So um, we're jumping from magic into labyrinths, which seems like they might be cousins to each other. Um, maybe you could tell us a little bit, you have multiple uh, uh, labyrinth worlds. Um, what's your interest in labyrinths and, and how do you do that? Uh, this world was uh, made during the pandemic and there was just so many things going on i was just feeling stressed and no people that were feeling stressed and so i wanted some place peaceful and calm um for for me and for people to go visit and one of the things i learned about i don't remember where was a uh, labyrinth walking and i've tried meditation before and i tried yoga and meditation and that's mostly for me it's just sitting there being quiet, um, focusing on your thoughts. But uh, recently I learned something about walking meditations where you just focus on where you're going on every step, one step at a time, one step at each step in the moment. And I wanted to design a world where you could use some kind of active meditation. And that's when I learned about uh, labyrinths. And once I started reading about it, I just learned that there were uh, labyrinth societies, labyrinth finder, you can, wherever you are in the world, you can locate the nearest labyrinth, they'll be at park, they'll be at uh, churches and cathedrals. And this is uh, a specific type, it's 11 circuit, I had to say that Charlotte, Charles labyrinth, it's one that appears in, in that uh, cathedral. And what I wanted to have happened was that it would be a guided walking meditation where the labyrinth would start appearing in front of you and you would follow it as you go along. But, um, at that time, I didn't know how to do any of that. So I broke the labyrinth up into separate pieces and had them animated and appear as you get to the end of one, the next section would appear and the next section would appear. And I tied myself walking the sections so they would appear in a proper order. Um, and then once I finished that, I was thinking, where, where is this labyrinth? I, I didn't know how to build terrains or any more environment. So I put it in space and I thought, well, if it's in space, it, it needs something. So I put an asteroid belt around there and, and that's, that's how I came up the whole, whole world. We get asteroids that are coming through the labyrinth, and you've got different celestial bodies that uh, are oh. all around the labyrinth, and then you've got the centerpiece, which is this sort okay. of, I guess, the solar system. This one is, yeah, this one is the the maze world, and so when I was reading about labyrinths, the the people who do labyrinth walking, they make a distinction between labyrinths and mazes. Uh, maze has different branching paths where you can uh, get lost, and you have to find your way the exit. A labyrinth is typically just one path that you would walk, you would follow. It winds all the way around, go to the center, and then you would walk all the way back out. Um, so this is the first thing that I ever, um, first world that I made in alt space. I wanted a world where you could do something, uh, a world that had a purpose, where people could have an activity or something. And I thought making a maze would be the simplest thing um, I could come up with. And so you can see that the walls are just plain geometric shapes. They're uh, just cubes. And then I was able to figure out how to bring in one um, 
an object from Sketchfab, which is the arches. And then Planet uh, was a kit that at first I got from somebody. And later, um, when I updated the world, I figured out how to how to kind of put it in there myself. Yeah, and so I think the huh? um, yeah, yeah, go ahead. The reason for the uh, the asteroids going around and blocking you um, uh, off path that came from a maze world that I used to like to go to. It was uh, Terry's haunted maze. It'd be just halls and halls and a haunted house and ghosts just wandering around. Sometimes just popping up right in front of you, scaring you, making noise, and then just going away. And so, and I wanted something bad in there. And then, while oh, making the lab, the, the maze world, I was visiting all these different maze worlds in all space and some of them are pretty fun so and 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 there were some of them that were kind of frustrating because it's just a gigantic maze and everything looks the same wherever you go so i wanted someplace fun where people can come visit again and again so do that i wanted one where you couldn't get stuck and be frustrated so if you got to a dead end would lead you someplace else. It would be a maze that you couldn't get mm. lost in. You would you would go mm. to other worlds, other maze worlds, other places, and then you would come back again. Mm. And maybe this wouldn't be the time that you find the center. Maybe the fifth or sixth time you come, that would be your time where you would find the center where um, whole solar system is. Got it. Yeah. And, I, and it's something I never noticed as I was walking through the world, of course, was this secret message you have down the top. Is that ever apparent to anybody in the maze or you? it's only for you, the God no, who has no. created the world? No, no, I, I wanted that to be like an Easter egg that um, you would get to the center, you would go up the uh, elevator, and then instead of just rushing off to the end or, or where you started, if you happen to be observant and look around, you would see that there's a message there. I placed it so that you couldn't read it and you don't have flight there. So you would, um, and you can't teleport, otherwise you could just go through walls. So you would have to be very careful, walk along the walls, go to the end to find out what the message is. And mm. um, that's why I put that there. Well, we could, we could, you could sort of see the message here, but uh, for those on YouTube, I'm not going to tell you what it is. We're not. You guys got to go and visit the world yourselves. We'll put all the world codes in our uh, show notes. Uh, so anyone who wants to come into all space and find this secret Easter egg, uh, please do. I think I got. Yeah, I think that there's two labyrinth worlds that I got lost in the labyrinth of your worlds here, and this is the meditation one, right? So this one here, the meditative labyrinth, and the other one is the maze. That's right. Got it. Okay. <laughs> Yes, I was uh, lost in the maze of this conversation. And hello, Copy Bear. Hi. Um, yeah, so I just uh, want to say uh, thank you, Mason. Uh, my Renaissance world would not be anywhere as fun, exciting, authentic without uh, Mason's uh, dragon he made for us. And obviously, everybody loves his Pegasus. So um, when I came up with the world of my Renaissance world, I had all of these different things that I kind of wanted to add to make them a little bit more Renaissance feeling like you were actually there and interactive. And so I went to Mason and I said, hey, I need these MRE things. And he created the Pegasus for me and uh, the lances so we could do jousting and uh, pretty much everything that's in the world that's MRE that makes it kind of exciting and feel more authentic. Uh, we have Mason to thank for that. So, 
awesome. Oh. Everybody should come check out all of his uh, work. And he is he is a very talented artist above and beyond all of the world and MRE stuff that he makes. He also does beautiful storyboards and video stories uh, that he creates for people as well. So I wanted to throw that in. There is his side talent. You copy her. What a great testament, testimonial. Um, so, so what storyboards? What's that about? How you do? Is this uh, was I, how do these? Just um, I think which is originally is like when I go on vacation with family, I'll take uh, videos, and I'll make slideshows, and I'll put a, a theme around it, and then I'll put uh, music. Oh, um. I've I, I've shown you like uh, the, the kits. When I make the kits, I make the a little um, trailer for them. So so things like that. But I do it for people. And um, and oh, oh my, yeah, right. Yeah. And when my um, grandmother passed away, I just felt like I I needed to do something. How how do I process all this emotion? Family is all. You know, people are grieving. People are feeling sad and depressed and. I, I just needed to do something. So how I worked through that was took family photos, took family of um, photos of my grandmother when she was young, and just put it together in a slideshow, music on there. And um, so I spoke at the funeral um, after a eulogy, so put it all together. So so things like that. Oh, cool. Are there places uh, you have those on YouTube? Are there anywhere in here that we could in some kind of uh, projection or? No, I don't. I don't have yeah. them in here. They're on my personal YouTube and Facebook page. Okay. Um. Well. Uh. Okay. Ice Wiz, how's it going? Hey, how's it going? Um, you are middle right. To, middle, uh... No, middle left. <laughs> middle left. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in between, I guess. But um. I uh, earlier this year I got the pleasure of meeting uh, Mason and Ender and um, Darren, some of the people who are here, and um, it was such an honor, you know, to be able to meet uh, those that we are in contact with here. Also at Burning Man, you know, I had the opportunity also, and I told people that what made my burn this year at Burning Man was all the people that I had met in VR that came to our camp. And I was just so jazzed and I'm um, so happy. And um, it's just, you know, we were like a big family, you know, in a way. And I've known Mason since he first came on here. And it's like, we, we love to share ideas and we love to um, do things together. And it's just so cool. Um, be able to do that here. This is kind of my getaway from the real world, but it's also another artistic outlet. And I know it is for you too. And that's what like keeps us going here. We want to keep making things, keep doing things, keep, it's like a, a stairway, you know, you, you just keep, it keeps going and going. And, you know, other people said that we're like pioneers here and in a way we are, cause this is going to go a lot, further than we see it now. We're going to really um, be doing some stuff in the future. And I'm, I'm greatly looking forward to that and that all we're going to do, you know, and make sure, uh, make sure you um, 
give the Masons uh, sign up for his Patreon because um, those who really um, there's there's certain people here or a lot of people here who do a lot for the community and they deserve um, they, they deserve that you know and um, he definitely deserves it because um, we um, like I said we're like a big family um, there's we share ideas there's so much more to come you know it's it's so awesome and i'm looking forward to it every day and um thanks oh. thank you mason for all you do and um i'm really glad that compy bear told me about this tonight because i didn't even know what was going on and she told me come on out come on out i says oh yeah mason's there i'm gonna be there hell yeah <laughs> so freaking cool thank you again man thank you welcome awesome that's awesome. Thank you so much. And yes, thank you so much for mentioning Mason's Patreon. I will also put that in the show notes on Simulation Nation YouTube and on the Apple Podcast and on Spotify. We'll hopefully get you some Patreon, uh, some patrons uh, to support you as well, because obviously uh, you make a, a big difference here in Old Space. Um, that's very cool. Um, and I think, you know, I uh, love uh, all your worlds and, and everyone I'm sure has had a great time in your worlds, but the blockbusters are really the kits. So hopefully we could uh, demonstrate some kits here without crashing the entire space. Uh, so this is gonna be cool, we'll try it out. Um, and I think you're gonna show us some of your favorites. Um, I can't wait to see them. Before we get into, before you show us the kits, can you explain to the audience the difference between the kits and the MREs? Because I even sometimes get confused with those two. Um. Uh, a kit is it's basically just some some object that you make um in unity and you have a collection of them uh and then you bundle them together and you bring it into alt space and you can share those with people so it would show up in their kits menu and then they could bring one item out at, at a time and mre is a mixed reality extension so those usually exist um they, they're in alt space but they work uh off of alt space so you'll have the like drinks with water moving around or um you'll have like the the helmet mre or things that do things that interact with the world and so the, the mechanism for that interaction happens outside of alt space in some kind of server and so there's, there's constant um, communication back and forth from within all space to the server to, to make make interaction and that to happen. Um, yeah, the, the kits are just items that exist, exist entirely in all space and you can bring them up. But the MREs, you would need a code and that code would uh, tell the MRE item where to where the server is and how how to to use it. And so uh, most of the stuff that you have in your, your kits world, that's what you are uh, most known for in all spaces, the kits. Is that, that's right. Uh, all right, so tell us what you got for us here. And uh, I know we can't show all of them, but maybe we got a, a three of them or so. Like uh, uh, my force field. <laughs> nice. Does that work? Oh, I'm seeing okay. it, a, a sphere here, a hexagonal sphere. Little hexagons or something. Yeah. Um, uh, when I first saw somebody 
do this. Somebody have this kind of thing in their world where there will be the surface that moves or changes. I was just um, fascinated. I, I've, I've, I've made things in alt space. I've made things in Unity, but I didn't know how they did that. And I thought it was some kind of animation. And most of the time, when I see things in alt space, and, and it almost feels like it's a trade secret. Sometimes you'll have to get to know the people before they'll they'll tell you or give you hints of how it's done. And this is actually done with a shader, so there's nothing. No, nothing moving here uh, to the world. There is no animation, no movement, uh, like my doors. When the doors open and close, um, the yes, the graphics engine, nothing physically changes when it renders. I know I'm getting a little bit technical. It is when it happens, and um, there are people that are really good at this, like uh, Tajasuka. It was his world that, mm -hmm. and. I first tried to learn that it was just really difficult because you'd have to code it, type it up um, from scratch. And that was the only time you could do it at that time and the only way you could do it at that time. So I kind of gave up. And then the big URP thing happened. And after URP happened, you could use Gitograph. And Gitograph lets you create effects like this by bringing in what's called nodes. So you would bring in the node of the object, you would bring in maybe a timer, what you want to do, then it would be connecting one to the other, like having spaghetti string all over the place. And anything that could ever be untouched, anything that could happen, you could just search the nodes and bring them up. And once I playing, once I started playing around with it, I just got it. So if it wasn't for the URP, it wasn't for the mm. shader graph, I, I wouldn't be able to make all these kits and special effects. Mm. That's when I getting into it because the one to make these before the erp it would just be hundreds of lines of code and take a lot of work to learn and and this is why i brought this up because this is first time i wrote something in a shader just just took a pattern made it move applied it to sphere i'm thinking wow this this looks cool so what if what i what if i put different textures and i had one with a fire with water and then i just kept playing around with there from there and experimenting and and it just from there. Well, love these, and they come in all different colors, right? You've got the blue one, the green one, the purple one. You've got a lightning bolt one. You've got a fire. I've got those actually right here. I love those. Uh, those ones are so cool. Um, ah, very cool. Okay, well, uh, what's uh, you got another one for us? Uh, yes, let me show off. Show it off all your wares here. This is like a a, a futuristic. Um, Demonstration of your 3D modeling here. I have a cylinder of water. One of the things that uh, I had been trying to make for a long time, and when you ask people how is it made, the response I want to get is very carefully, or it takes a lot of work. And that's thing people are, I mean, the techniques people are very protective of sharing. And just I'm People tell me that uh, making water, making it look realistic is an obsession. And if you can make it, that means that you're really good at shaders. Um, for me, I uh, saw a world with some type of water that I liked. And Owen told me that it was actually made by somebody named Kaija. And he, he left all space. He shares uh, certain things that he's learned. So 
Mm. I took his water kit and kind of modified it. And I different colors there. I, I made things sparkle on the surface of the water. And then after that, I was thinking, well, why can't I do more with it? Why does water always have to be flat? So why couldn't you have a tunnel of water or a sphere of water or a whirlpool? So I started bringing in different meshes, different shapes, and applying water textures to it. And it just started looking really neat. And um, the way I think about building my kids is I want something that something I wish I had when I first started world building before I knew Unity. I could only use kits, but something that could fit in any world, general purpose, and kind of simple. And one of the things I, I always had was just water. I could just put water in my world. And so that's why I made this one. Uh, this was, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful water uh, tube. And there's different, you could, you, you have different shapes, right? So you have a tube. Yes. And there's also, yeah, different, uh, you can put a, a flat and things like that. Um, it's, a, circle, it's a very uh, useful effect. For people in, uh, who want to put it in fountains or hot tubs, or I, I just I think of different applications. And I always try to make enough variety and colors. Um, so you could use it for all different uh, situations. Absolutely. Um, maybe uh, while you're uh, thinking of the next one here, we've got CompuBear is going to add something. <laughs> I would love to have him bring in his his dragon. He uh, created himself. It's really nice. Oh, I don't think I have that one. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> well, or your Pegasus, are... or, or your Pegasus MREs. Those are pretty cute. Is uh, Mesa, if we stick around to the end, Mesa is going to uh, take us on a small world tour. So maybe we can go to a world where the dragons are. Could be a, a good compromise there. Um, and uh, while we're getting the third one up here, Pete, okay. going. Uh, you are. Yes. Where was Pete? Are you yes, um, uh, on the right side? Recording this, right. Mate, you recording this so you can watch it later on. Absolutely. Not only are we recording it, but we're recording it using Mason's cameras and his uh, multi-cam kit, which we're going to show you in just a second. But yeah, we're on the on YouTube at the Simulation Nation. If you type, actually, there, there's a fantasy football league in England that seems to have the name Simulation Nation. That goes, shows up first. But if you type Simulation yeah. Nation podcast, ours will pop up and you'll recognize it as being sort of all spacey. <laughs> so. Oh, that's great. Yeah, thank you. This will, yeah, this will be, will be up in about two, uh, two weeks or so. All right. Uh, what is this we've oh. got before? This is no ordinary rose. Yeah, it's, um, I, I made this rose because um, somebody in space named Kristen, yeah, you've had her on your show as a guest before, and she does this 9-11 event every year. And... Uh, she was building a world. She asked me for help. And one of the things she asked me for was if, if there was a flower kit. And uh, she messaged me during the middle of the day and then came in in the evening as she and other people were working on the world. And she kept looking for flowers. I'm thinking, of course, there must be flowers in all space. Um, but um, they, they came in bunches or they didn't look right or they didn't have individual flowers. And so that's why I went and I made this one so that she could use it for her event 
or people would tell stories about where they were at 9-11, and at the end, they would have moments where they would pick up flour and toss it in the fountain. When I heard that that's what she wanted to do, see, no, no, there needs to be kind of nice flour for ceremonies or just events or just to look at in all space. And um, the way I make my kits, and I bring this up, is because it looks like it's easy just bring in um, a mesh, put color in it, make several versions of it. But actually, every time I start, I think, okay, this is something I can do. I'll spend a week debugging it, showing it to people. And when I do that, I get into this mode where I'm just thinking like a magician. I have to figure out how people will use it. And when I ask people to look at it and look, um, ask for feedback, I can't ask them, you know, what do you think? What's your opinion on it? It's like uh, when I was learning to do magic tricks, I would show it to people. And if I asked them, what do you think? Um, is it good? Everybody will say, yeah, it's good. I would have to watch their responses, watch what they do, watch what they say. That's where I get my feedback. And um, for example, if you're a magician and you go to a, uh, I don't know, during dinner and you do a trick, someone will always say, hey, that's cool. You made something disappear. Can you make my wife disappear? And they'll say that. And everybody will think it's the first time they've said. And what magicians will do is they'll take something that someone says, probably, you know, wisecrack. They think they're funny, but they'll take it and they'll say in their head, well, it was funny for you. Now it's mine. And then they incorporate it and things um, change like that. And that, that's how they, or they, they say their audience the one that helps create um, the magic. And so for me, um, one moment I realized this was when I was showing somebody the kits, they picked up the rose and they're like, this is beautiful. And they dropped it. And for one second, they just looked and watched it fall through the world. And they're like, huh, okay. And then we went on to the next one. And that pause made me think, wow, something's wrong here because this rose just fell through the, the world. Why do some objects fall through the world? And why don't some of them? Maybe people want to pick this up and put it on the ground. Maybe people want to toss it in the audience or something or toss it on stage. That took me a while to figure out. So it wasn't feedback that that person gave me. Um, after I left off space, it was what she did that just stuck in my mind. And um, that's how I kind of work with it and debug it and before I release it. Amazing. Do you have this in a world that you can go and watch people interacting with it? Um, um, it would usually be, I would make a kit and then I would make a world for the kit. So for every one of my kits, uh, I have a world just for the kit and I have them all in there, all the items out there. And um, for, for people who want to use my kits or want to take a look at it, it's convenient for them to just look at it. But um, for me, the reason is, Sometimes people will come to me and they say, tell me, oh, something's wrong here. This doesn't work right. Or in this situation, this is wrong. Or I had my 3D camera, but the left and right eyes were actually swapped. And so I would go fix them. And it's kind of a little bit nerve wracking for me because I know everybody's using it. So as I'm uploading, I'm like, I hope nothing goes wrong. Sometimes you upload the kits and they vanish or some are there and some are. So I can quickly upload it and go to my kits world and I can look around and make sure that everything's okay. Oh, yeah, I do have a world, one for each of the kids. Ah, cool. Very cool. It's a beautiful rose. I love the floating sort of uh, yes. or, uh, you know, spirits Lights. coming out of the top of the rose. It's really nice. Mm -hmm. Cool. 
Cool. Well, uh, I wanted to uh, give the audience a little hint at the one that we're using today. So I'm going to try to see if I can make this work here. What we've got here is uh, the multi-cam kit, which we are getting. Used it for the first time last episode. We're still working out the kinks. Uh, but it takes our world from being a two-camera world to being a seven-camera world, which is what we're using now. So, if Trocity, if you are on there, if you could show everybody the, uh, we'll start with the two-shot. That's might be what we're what we're doing now. This is sort of the two-shot. It's obviously I usually got this weird effect like that. It's <laughs> just because we're doing thing on a thing, basically. Uh, here is the dolly in shot, uh, which is coming down the middle aisle here towards the screen. And uh, that be integrated. We'll use that at either the beginning of the show or when we're dollying into a moment, uh, something like that. Uh, and we've got a perfect shot of cup of tea there. <laughs> um, then we've also got a moving shot, but we can't show that one on this screen because it's integrated in a different way. Have a shot. You'll see a um, a ball here, sort of like a sphere that floats around. And we've had help from uh, Mason and Samwise and Calendar to make this integrated with the system. Maybe you want to explain, Mason, uh, how this multi-camera kit came to be along with the switcher. Um, let's see, it was because Calendar has a game show he runs, I think one or more of them. And he asked me, and more than one person asked me, if my cameras can actually stream out uh, out of alt space and uh, there isn't a way to do that and so what he would do is he would have himself um as a host of the game show and then he would have a bot on his laptop filming and he wanted to be able to get different angles and if you wanted three or four angles or five angles you'd need five different accounts on five different computers filming and then he would have to record them all and then kind of cut the shots together in editing room editing software or something and so um, what he did was he actually played around with the cameras, played around with the MREs, kind of combined them together and figured out that you could put multiple cameras. He was using one of my kits onto an MRE and on them and have them show up. And that's how he kind of over time played around with it, came up with a, uh, a camera switchboard that could have him, uh, host of a game show, push buttons, and it would automatically switch cameras. And the the problem that was my camera kit has a variety of cameras. Uh, one of them is a hologram. One of them black and white. One of them um, is a normal one. Another one only shows the avatar. So he asked me about cameras that were, I, I can't, that was just pure cameras, a lot of cameras. And I think the game show he was filming at the time was uh, Avatar Squares. So you would have avatars in nine different squares, you would have uh, two contestants, and then you would have the host and the audience, and he wanted to be able to quickly just switch through that. And so that's how I came up with my multi-cam kit, just lots of cameras. Um, and and it, it made it really efficient for him. Um, so now you don't have to have multiple uh, accounts and avatars, and you wouldn't have to edit them later. You just push the button, and it would just switch. I like what you're doing here. 
Uh, we, of course, the reason that it's showing an infinite number of screens is only because I've put the monitor that corresponds with the cameras on the screen here. But obviously, on the YouTube, we've been shooting tonight using all the cameras. It'll just look normal. It'll just be what's on the screen. It's supposed to be what's on the screen. And so we could see here also our audience shot. So maybe, uh, Futurosity, if you could show us the far left here. Left audience, there we go. Say hello, uh, pools closed. You are now on camera, uh, love the do. Uh, and uh, maybe middle left, uh, Futurosity. Here we go, a beautiful shot of CompuBear and IceWiz. And uh, Chad, hello, and we got a little bit of 11 high there as well. Um, and maybe even a touch of entry, but not sure. Okay, so let's go over here, so middle right. We go that catches Samuel Baker and SFB and Darren over there, and uh, and the head of Hope, Hope Adams back up a little bit. We're still giggles, like I said, we're still looking at the king. There's Hope, beautiful shot of Hope there. Um, and finally, far left, sorry, far right, we've got ourselves a shot of Izzy Uril, and we also get some overlap with Darren and SFB. We would love to, of course, get more uh, cameras in the audience, but every camera that's added adds a lot of weight to the world. And so we haven't yet found a way to do more than six cameras. So it seems to be the maximum of what we can pull off right now with this level of uh, computation. Um, but as the technology improves, hopefully we will also be able to add more and more cameras. Um, but yeah, so Futurosity, of course, is down below and he is our director. He is directing the shots as he goes, he's editing in you know, the two shot to the long shot to the audience shot. And he's able to edit that on the fly as we go. And we're going to hopefully be able to live stream that to YouTube, Twitch, and Facebook Live uh, in the future. We're still working out the kinks, but that's the hope. So, uh, so we also owe you a debt of gratitude, Mason, uh, for your incredible work here. And you're making our production value much more incredible. Well, Futurosity and I both uh, come from the film world. We both went to the American Film Institute. And so for us to geek out different cameras in here and different shots is like a dream come true. So we really, uh, uh -huh. really do appreciate it. Like I said, uh, if you guys want to stick around, we are going to uh, go on a world tour very shortly. Uh, before we end off, I always like to talk about the future. Um, so we just mentioned about you know the technology increasing and being able to add more cameras. Are there other things that you would love to see in the future or you're excited about coming around the corner? Yeah, just um, more more processing power. So you could uh, make the the pictures more detailed, add more computation with the shaders and the, the modeling. Um, I, I think that that's coming soon. That's what I'm looking forward to. So you can build things are a little bit more more complicated complicated and realistic looking. Sounds like you really uh, um, you really got a lot out of the ERP update because it sounds like you were able to create things that you wouldn't have been able to previously. Yes. And it sounds like people are benefiting from that. So uh, it's great to see. And I don't know when their Nest update is going to be. Um, and I don't know if they're going to be integrating you know, uh, Quest Pro or uh, the, the Quest 3 is coming out next year. Maybe that will help. As the hardware increases in uh, its capabilities, yes. so too will the software of these worlds. Uh, hopefully that helps. Because, as well. yeah, 
Unity is a game engine, and they have a lot of different uh, modules inside of there. And Altspace only supports some of them. Like um, maybe we could have real-time lighting, shadows, and um, uh, what's it they call it? texture, text mesh, where you can have the right text uh, in inside the world. Just things like that in the game engine that they can't include right now because it's kind of too processor intensive. Absolutely, that would be incredible. Um, this is your last chance for questions, guys. If anyone has any others, Pete seven seven seven. Hello, Pete. Hey, how are you again? Yes. <laughs> um, see a problem in that with the Oculus, and I don't know whether it's just the Oculus or or the software. I mean, there are people that are disabled. Not me, but thinking of them. But even if we're laying in bed. Right, have to be upright, you know, to be able to to move around and that. I mean, it'd be great if there was a situation where you could you know, still be in bed or lying down or whatever, and and your avatar or whatever is still moving around in normal space. And yeah, that's what I was sort of like thinking about. Cool. And also, small thing, if you're on a bus. Right, it might be an Oculus thing or a VR thing. Um, it doesn't work. It's true. Yes, uh, we'll have Do to have any ideas. Reality. You think that? Ah, oh, right. So augmented reality works better than VR reality. You saying? Um, I was just saying that if you're going to go out into the world, you want to have uh, you'll want to have a fully simulated virtual headset on where you'll fall in front of a bus and kill yourself. You want to have augmented reality glasses, which are just around the corner, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah. You'll have an overlay of a graphic onto the real world, so you'll be able to interact with the real world in a virtual world in the same mixed reality setting. I think that's probably more for the um, semi-immersive experience. Do you agree, Mason? Okay. Yeah. Is that a software thing or is it a hardware thing that you don't they don't work as well? Um I think the it's kind of part of both the um I heard the Quest Pro has the color pass through so you you can see the world outside and you can do more of the augmented reality um with it. Yeah, thanks Mason. Yeah. And uh, we have Darren, who is our last World Builders of Old Space 16. Hello, Darren. Good to see you again. Oh, hi. I guess I'm coming through okay. Oh, just a quick question. Uh, it was nothing you are, really uh, big. Top, top right there. How's it going? Uh, yeah, good. Uh, I was just wondering, hey, Mason, how long is it? How long did it take you to kind of mix in with people and started world building? Is this curious? Um, let me see. Uh, CES was about February, and then um, August, I think, was when uh, the virtual Burning Man happened. And so I was really building worlds for that. So probably, oh, wow. yeah. So so, so somewhere in between. That. So after CES, and and then by August, I was really into building the world. So maybe. Four four months. Yeah, just once you get the building bug, it's just hard to let go. Yes. 
Yeah. <laughs> it gives you so much, uh, so much things you could do with it. Like a, it's like a giant tool you could just never stop using. <laughs> mm -hmm. Just uh, you could do so many things with it. Your imagination, you know. All right, thank, thank you, thank you very much. Yeah. Yeah. Look forward to seeing your worlds, and thanks again for your uh, for the, the door kits and everything I've used. This this uh, the water kits. I, I I can't even think of any more, but I know there's a lot more. I I use the kits and. Thanks again for everything. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, and I remember seeing your uh, your Patreon sign in Darren's world. I think it was the Titanic world or something where the world with ship is sinking and, and all the water that is flowing everywhere. And it was like, these are kids are thanks to Mason. And Darren was uh, speaking so highly of you, Mason, that uh, uh -huh. helped uh, make sure we could get you on here. Uh, so thank you, Darren, and uh, thank you also, yeah, Mason, for uh, all, you, all your worlds that you've been helping with. Um, anyone else have any last thoughts here before we uh, go off to see some of his worlds? Oh. Um, well, it was a real pleasure, Mason. Um, I wish we could show more kits, but hopefully now on the world tour, we could go see some more. Uh, so, so thank you so much for, for coming and uh, sharing some of your knowledge with us and giving away some of your magician's tricks. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for inviting me and having me on your show. Absolutely. And thank you, everybody, for teleporting into this world as a simulation nation. Whether you're with us in reality, listening to the podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, or watching on YouTube. Uh, and remember to subscribe to our Instagram at the Simulation Nation, a Twitter at Simulation VR, and join our Discord server. And then uh, next Saturday, we are having a special event where someone is beaming in from Moscow. That is Azzy of the Theory of Everything. So hopefully you guys can make it for that. Till then, hey plugs, my friends.